Amen. We welcome you today, all those watching online. Come on now, we welcome our online audience today. So glad that you tuned in with us wherever you're watching, whether you're watching here local or watching somewhere around the world. We get letters all the time. Texas, Florida, Pakistan, Philippines, India. We get people contacting us from all around the world who are watching our broadcast. And so we say thank you for being with us. If you're ever in our area, come out, be our guest. We would love to give you some free gifts and just tell you how much we appreciate you today. Now, today we're going to continue and conclude our series we've been in for a while called The Good News. How many know we got some good news to cheer about, right? We got some good news to be thankful for. We're looking in the book of Romans, and this whole time we've been studying throughout the book of Romans of what Paul writes as the good news of the gospel. He calls the gospel of Jesus the good news. He points out how bad the bad news is so that we really understand how great the good news is. He was in teaching us over and over again about this great news. Um, let me ask you a question. Have you, have you ever wanted to be an Olympic athlete? Have you ever thought about, raise your hand, have you ever had dreams as a kid, maybe being an Olympic athlete? Anybody here want to win the gold medal? Yeah, I, I get it. We, we want to come in. We want to win. We have dreams of being an Olympic athlete. So I, I Googled this and thought it was kind of a good way to start out today. So according to Google, if you want to be an Olympic athlete, this is how you start. Number one. You assess your physical fitness. Yeah, some of you are stuck right there. All right, now. You're like, what, what physical fitness? I better get a couple people to help me assess this. This is something I got. Assess your physical fitness. Are you in shape to be an Olympic athlete? Okay. Number two, choose your sport. Then it goes on to say, if you're over 30, you may want to choose archery or shooting. Because you assess your physical fitness. All right. Number three, prepare for long-term training. Some of you are still stuck on number one. All right, prepare for long-term training. It says you got to be ready to give up 1,100 hours a year to be an Olympic athlete just in training. Number four, keep your day job. Keep your job. <laughs> Why? Because we're at number one. You're still at number one. Keep your job. You know, don't give up your job. I'm going to be an Olympic athlete and start training. You, you keep your job. You got to support yourself. And number five, then you got to have the dream. I thought it was kind of funny. I thought have a dream would be first to inspire me, but it wasn't all the others. You know, to, to grow as an Olympic athlete, you, it's a growth process. It takes, it takes a while to grow into that kind of world-class athlete. It's a process we have to go through. And today I want to conclude this series on the thought that the good news about our growth. The good news about our growth. If you don't know this, God wants you to grow. If you didn't know this, I'm declaring it to you very plainly today. God expects us to grow. Now, in Romans 12.1, we're going to go right back to the book of Romans. In the last chapter of Romans, book chapter 12, we're going to be here in verse 1. And he starts it off by saying, and so. Let's say it together. Say, and so. One more time. And so. Why does he say that with a comment? Because what he's trying to do is draw a conclusion to all the 11 chapters before. So everything we've been studying over the last seven, eight weeks, he's been telling us, hey, this is a response to that. So all this study about the good news about Jesus, the good news about God's love, 
the good news about God's grace, the good news about my future, the good news that God has for me, all these things. What do we do now? So he draws a conclusion that because you know this now, how deep is God's love, that God wants to turn everything around for your good, that God wants to cause you to prosper in his love and in his grace, because you understand how deep God's love and grace and mercy is in our life. So this is how we now must respond. Okay? He's challenged us now. It's time for you to grow. Because you have received this good news, because this good news is transforming your life, and so now there must be growth. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God, because all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This truly is the way to worship him. You know, we want to do this today, but I want to tell you that he is referring to this. Previously, what is he referring to? He's saying that I must now obey differently. I must now serve differently. I must now give differently. I must now love differently. He wants me to do things different. Why? In response to how great the good news is. In response to how great this good news is that I was bound in my own sin and Jesus came, freed me from that and set me free now to walk in right standing with God, not because of anything I've done, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's great news. The bad news is my sin condemns me to hell. The good news is Jesus condemns me to heaven. Yeah. So that's good news. So in response to that, I must respond differently. He goes, I want you to grow. See, we all, I believe we all want to grow, but we don't all want to change. That's where it's at, right? We all want to grow, but we don't, we don't want to spend 1,100 hours training. We all want to be the athlete and receive the gold medal, but we don't all want to go through the process of change. So, so how do we do this? How do we take this next step of growth in our life? Number one, write this down. You gotta change your mind. He, he outlines the force right here. Change your mind. Have you ever hired an expert to help you at something you're not good at? Listen, uh, if you wanna really do something right, you gotta hire an expert to help you, right? We all know that. If we're trying to, if we're trying to lose weight and get back into shape and build, rebuild your body, you hire a trainer because you're gonna get the maximum results because you're gonna get an expert involved in what you're doing. You're trying to fix your car and fix it right? You hire a mechanic who's an expert in fixing your type of car. We get experts involved. So this is what he's saying. I want you to give your body over to the expert who's in charge of processing your life. I want you to give your body over to an expert. And so look what he says here in verses 1 and 2 now. So we see this. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead you now. Give your bodies to God because he's the expert. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This truly is the way to worship him. Don't, now he challenges us now how we do that. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? Changing my mind. Changing the way I think. When you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and 
perfect. So he outlines three things that helps us understand this change. He says, give your bodies to God. It's a personal decision. You've got to do this for yourself. God, I give you my life. God, my, my life is yours to use. God, my life is yours in your hands. Because of all the good news I have received, my response is, God, now I belong to you. God, now I will serve you, whatever. So I, it's a personal decision. Lord, I give you my life for change. And he says, do you change by changing the way you think? And let me put you know, it's a process. Change is a process. When I receive Jesus, I am automatically, instantly changed in the presence of God. My sin no longer has power over my life. I am cleansed with the blood of Jesus, and automatically I am walking in right standing with God. Someone give God a praise for that. That's a great thing. My sin has changed. My standing with God has changed. But my mind... It's still over here, and it's a process of me changing it to see the transformation to follow what God has already done in the spiritual. Now the physical must begin to change in a process. So how do I change the process? I change the way I think. Remember, too many people give up. I've been training for, for four days. I got a brand new workout outfit, bought some new running shoes. I bought, I went, I've been eating gluten-free. I've been eating this. I, I got rid of my fries. I just had the burger with lettuce and I still haven't lost any weight. It's been three days. It's a process. Your mind's got to adjust. Your body's got to adjust. Your metabolism's got to adjust. Things just don't happen quickly. It, it takes a while. It's a process. And you got to know that going into it. Know this going into God changing you is a process. He goes, but then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What's he saying? But change is possible. It's possible. It's possible for me to change. It's possible for God to change my mind, transform my mind, transform my life. It is so possible if I don't give up during the process. Come on, now don't give up. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't give up during the process. It's the process that gets me to where God wants me to be. Don't let the world change you. You're going to change one way or another. Either you're allowing the world to change you or you're allowing God to change you. So I, I'm allowing. So as I end response to now, God, I don't want the world to change me. It's changed me enough. Now I provide myself and I give myself to you. God, I'm turning my life over to you in your hands, God. In your hands, God, I give my life. The proverb says what? As a man thinks in his heart. So is he. My heart and my mind are connected together. They are connected together. So why I change the way I think is because it's changing my heart. And if you don't know this, God wants all of your heart. It's up to you to renew your mind. I can't renew your mind for you. How do you renew your mind? You renew your mind by saturating it with what you want to renew it with. Listen, when I'm trying to lose weight... I saturate it with healthy eating. I saturate it with motivation on working out. I, I, I'm around people who are 
who are challenging me to do the same thing. I'm talking to my trainers. I'm encouraging myself. Why? Because I know I need it. I'm not, it's a process, and I'll never get through the process if I don't saturate my mind in the right thing. Same thing. If I want to change spiritually, i got to saturate my mind with the things of God. The reason some of you haven't changed is because you're only eating one spiritual meal a week. I know, I know, you love me, right? Okay, you got to learn, all right, this is good. I'm getting, I'm getting a good spiritual meal today. It's a great buffet, but if I'm really going to change and change my mind and let God be a part of this process, i got to learn every day to find my mind saturated in the things of God. Whether that's putting on worship music, whether that's opening up the word, reading some scripture, whether it's talking to a brother or sister that's going to encourage each other in the Lord. Whatever it is, I'm continuing to saturate myself and my mind. Why? Because I'm changing my outcome. I want to change the process. Well, I get out there and then I fail and I fail. God, listen, God wants you to saturate your mind so that he can renew it. The number one goal, if you don't know this, let me make it very clear. We don't hide this. This is no secret. But the number one goal of all the staff, the leaders, and volunteers at Destiny Church, our number one goal for you is the word growth. We want to see you grow. More than anything, I want to see you grow. I want to see you grow in your worship with God. I want to see you grow in your faith in God. I want to see you grow in your relationship and your commitment to God. I want to see you grow in your marriage. I want to see you grow in your serving. I want to see you grow in your worship. I want to see you grow in your giving. I want to see you grow in your serving. We want to see you grow. That's what it's about. And so it's a process of me saying, And so, it's a response. Because God went all in for me, I'm going all in for him. So what is the secret for change? The secret is this. Don't focus all of your energy on fighting the old. Instead, focus on building the new. When I'm trying to lose weight, I can't think about all those Oreo cookies and, and come on now. I can't think about all those things I want to eat. I can't be dreaming about those milkshakes and ice cream cones and pie. I can't, I can't dream about all them carbs I'm wanting to eat. I, I, can't, I can't think about that. Why? Because I'm going to go eat it. No, I don't tell. But what I don't do is I don't say, all right, I'm not going to have that. What I do do is I put my focus on healthy quality snacks and keeping myself full of the good things so I don't crave these things. Come on, that's going to speak to somebody this morning right there. I, I focus on the healthy and I fill my stomach with those things so that my mind isn't saying, all right, I got to have those unhealthy things. My focus shifts from the old to the new because the new is going to transform my body. And when you put, listen, come on now, when you transform my body, I'm saying, God, I'm focusing on the new things of God because God is transforming my mind and transforming my life for his service. God is transforming me for a reason. And so my focus now goes on to the good of God. We give our life to God. And then number two, we want, we got to use Use your change. God wants to use your change. If you didn't know that, it's no secret. God didn't change you for you to walk around in comfort. 
He changed you for you to walk around using this change to advance the kingdom of God. He changed you so that you could be his hands and feet. He changed you so you could be his mouthpiece. He changed you so you could be somebody's blessing. He changed you so you could pray for somebody else. He changed you so you could encourage somebody else. He rescued you so you can rescue somebody else. He encouraged you so you can encourage them. Use your change. This is how it happens. Now, verses four through six, look what it says here. Just as our bodies have many parts and each one has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts, one body, and we all belong to each other in his grace. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak it out. As much as faith, God has given you. Now, we all submit ourselves. So I realize this, that growth is a process. And as the more I understand God's grace, the good news of the gospel, it demands a response. And the response to that is this, God, I now give myself to you. So what I want you to imagine is this, is that God is here and that he's got a toolbox. And the toolbox that he has is called the local church. It's his, it's his local toolbox. And so what you come to give yourself, when you give yourself to God and you give yourself to a local church, it's like giving yourself to God right there. That's what God loves. If you don't believe it, go back and read the Bible. It's full about how much God loves the local church. He calls us his bride. He is in love with us and he has established us to be his hands and feet to a dying and hurting world. And so I submit myself to God. How do I do that? Number one, I, I give my life to God. God, I give my life to you. I'll do whatever you want. And then I find a local toolbox where I can submit myself to be a part of those tools. And each one of you come and as you submit yourself and you say, I'm giving myself to God, I belong to this body. I'm going to worship together. I'm going to encourage together. But we all bring different gifts. And together we work. And so we need different things to do different tools. If we're going to build something, we can't all do be the same thing, can we? We all need, some of you guys here, you're hard-headed. Well, good news, we need some hammers, all right? God can't, I'm hard-headed, God can't use me. I got a strong will. Good, God's got, we need some hammers there. Some of you, you like to pry around things, right? It's all right, you're always prying around. Some of you pliers, some of you, uh, you know, some of you, you got some razor tongues there. We got we to gotta trim that there. Anyway, all right. I see a lot of nuts and bolts, and well, that, that fits the crowd. Good. All right, anyway. <laughs> what I'm saying is this, is that God wants to use all of us to accomplish his will. And so he says this, we submit ourselves to him. And in response, God, my body belongs to you. I give myself to the local church as unto you, Lord. And God, you use us together. You know how many meals we're going to package today? Do you realize if you tried to do this on your own, how many days and days and days it would take you to package 20,000 meals on your own? But you were going to do all this in just a matter of two hours today. We're going to have 20,000. Why? Because the power of us coming together and networking together and working together, we're going to make a big difference in a lot of people's lives. 
I can't do it by myself. The staff, we couldn't do it by ourselves. It takes us networking with a ministry out of Tulsa, global kids coming down and us working together and us giving ourselves and us signing up and us, us working the young and old and everybody in between. We're all working together. We're all in the same toolbox and we're all working together to package these meals and they're going to go out for God's glory. And we're going to bless some people and we're not just going to talk about being the church. We're not just going to talk about what would Jesus do. We're actually going to get out of the toolbox and do it. That happens. That happens when we network together and we work together. God wants to use us. He wants to use me as a prospice. I got to wait till I change. No, you don't. No, no. Listen, I hear people say all the time, I'm waiting for God to change me and then I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And let me tell you, that's like any parents here remember when you hear people say, well, I'm waiting till the right time to have kids. I'm waiting until I have enough money in the bank. I'm waiting until we got the right house, the right car, and I got the right job. And then we'll have kids. How many parents know there ain't no right time to have kids? You just jump in and you find your way through. You get through. Listen, there is no right time. Now is the right time for you to give your life to God. Now is the right time for God to use you now. Now. God wants to use you now. Because the process is how God uses to change us. We try to jump ahead of the process and get changed first. And God's like, no, I want to use the process to help change you. It's the way God works. He needs you to submit to the toolbox. He needs you to be working with somebody else who's different than you. He needs you to give your giftings to God and find out that you matter just as much as anybody else in this room. Your giftings matter are just as powerful as anybody else in this room. God, if you don't know this, read the Bible, and you're going to find out that God specializes in using messed up people. He does. Just a few here. Moses had a stuttering problem. Hosea's wife, yeah, she was a prostitute. Abraham and Sarah, they were way too old. David was way too young. Peter was afraid of death, and Lazarus, well, he was, he was dead. John was self-righteous, and Naomi was a widow, and Paul persecuted Christians. Jonah ran from God. Gideon and Thomas both were consumed with doubt. Jeremiah battled depression. Elijah was burned out. Martha worried too much. John the Baptist was a loudmouth. And God used every one of them. And on and on and on in the Bible, you will find where God uses messed up, imperfect people. Let me tell you this, okay. It's okay not to be okay. God wants to use you. It's okay. God wants to use you in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your despair. God wants to use you. In your hangups, God wants to use you. In the middle of your failure, God wants to use you. God wants to use you. If we don't get anything today, get this. God wants to use you. Some of you have been coming to church for a long time, and many of you volunteer. We thank God for you. you you've learned that. Why? Because that's how God grows us. You're giving yourself to a toolbox. Some of you need to go to the website at mydestinychurch.com, and you'll see the tab that says serve, and find out. Sign up somewhere to serve. Get involved. Don't wait. Well, I'm going to wait until Super Bowl Sunday and sign up like you got. No, don't wait. Get in now. Do it now. God wants to use you now. 
I love this story of Usura Mardini. Usura Mardini, maybe some of you have heard of her. She was an inspiration to millions around the world. She was an Olympic swimmer, and in early 2013, 2014, she was training for Syria to be an Olympic swimmer. As she was there, a civil war broke out, and then they had bombings coming, and even the facility, she was actually swimming when the bomb hit her facility. And she was in the pool, and it crumbled the pool around her, and she just, you know, they felt unsafe. And so her and her family began to flee as refugees to leave Syria and escape. And so they, they, her and some of her family, closest family and closest friends, about 20 of them piled into a seven-man little commuter boat built for seven people. And 20 of them piled in there trying to escape. As they're escaping, the boat begins to quit and the boat begins to take on water and begins to sink. So Yursa and her sister, who were both very strong, good swimmers, jumped out of the boat to help lighten the load. And they begin to push the boat and swim with the boat and pull the boat. And for the next three and a half hours, they swam and swam and swam until they reached the shores of Greece. It's an amazing story of survival. Amazing story of perseverance. And they asked her later and they talked to her about her purpose in life. Because now she represents in the Olympic Games, she goes under the flag of the refugees flag. Those refugees who had to flee different countries who are Olympic qualified. They now they don't have a country, so now they, they go under refugee flags of refugees. And she's been the last two Olympics, she's been there doing that. And they asked her and she become an inspiration to millions of people of hope. They said, what's your purpose? And she said, my purpose in life was to save those 20 people by swimming. If I hadn't been practicing, if I hadn't been training, I never would have been able to endure that three and a half hours of pulling that boat and swimming at the same time. Only because I'd been practicing 1,100 hours a year. Only because she'd been practicing as a high endurance Olympic athlete. It allowed her body to push beyond the limits. She goes, my purpose was to save those 20 lives by my swimming. She goes, and I want to now tell people, don't give up. Don't give up. In the middle of your running, in the middle of bombings, in the middle of being a refugee, don't give up. What, what a good goal for us. What a good purpose for us. How many of us would love to have 20 people we could take to heaven with us? How about 20 people that you can rescue? How, is there 20 people in your life that say, God, before I leave this earth, I want, I want to take 20 people with me. I want 20 people to be rescued because you rescued me. God, I want to rescue 20 more. Is there 20 friends? Is there 20 family members? Is there a mixture of all? Who, what's my purpose? My purpose was not to win the gold. My, my purpose was not to be the best athlete. My purpose was to save. Everything else is, is fun. Everything else is in God's hands. But my purpose was to save. I don't know. I don't know everywhere you're called to ministry. I don't know exactly where you fit in the toolbox. But your purpose is to get in the box. And let God to use you. Your purpose is to save. To build the kingdom together. Your purpose. 
So how, how do we do that in closing? Let, let me give you a quick list. I gave you a list about Olympic athlete. Now I'm gonna give you a list about how to become all God wills for us to get to that place. Number one, choose to let him renew your mind. God, I choose to saturate and renew my mind in you. Choose to let him, come on, let him renew your mind. Number two, prepare yourself. That it's a process. It's a process. Be prepared. It's a long process. And change comes in seasons. And change comes in cycles. And growth happens in seasons. And growth happens in cycles. It's a process. Sometimes I get stagnant. Sometimes I got to be pushed. It's okay. It's a process. Keep your hope that he is the best for you. Keep the hope that all things, that's the good news we've been talking about. Keep hope that all things will work together for my good because I'm called to his, his calling in my life. As I submit myself, all things are going to work for good. As I give myself to the toolbox, all things are going to work together for good. As I give to his purpose and then last, I got to have a rescue mindset. Have a rescue mindset. It's all about him and them. God, help me to rescue. God, who can I rescue? God, who can I rescue? Listen, I love it that we can worship big. I love it that we can love big. I love it that we can serve big. But who are we taking with us? Let's rescue. Let's rescue. Let's rescue. Let's be a church who doesn't just talk about it. Let's rescue. Let's just don't throw money at it. Let's get out there and do it. Let's just don't make it a part of our slogan or vision statement. Let's do it. Let's rescue people. Let's rescue people. That's what he's called us to be. And so, because of all these things that I've shared with you, Paul says, what is your response? Now I'll give myself. Give myself away. Let me bow your heads. As you bow your heads, I ask you the question, which is the most important question you've been asked today. It all all comes down to this question right now. Have you fully surrendered your life to Jesus? I can't answer that for you. Only you can answer that. Well, my, my mom, no, this is your question. Nobody can answer this question except for you. Have you fully surrendered your life to Jesus? We won't do anything to single you out. We're not going to embarrass you, I promise you. But right now, if you're ready to say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Without anybody looking at me, can you just raise your hand and let me see it? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Raise a high. Let me see it. Thank you. See those hands. Thank you, guys. If you raise your hand, I want you to say this prayer after me. And if, you, if you're a Christian, we're going to help them along as well around them. Let's help them and say, Dear Jesus, forgive me my sins. I surrender all of my life to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my life. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I will live for you and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we say welcome to the family. God, put your hands together.